scenario We break records while we pushing the culture forward Great music and big vibes right in that order Intellectually petty radio on the stereo Don't compare us to anything, this a different scenario We break records while we pushing the culture forward Great music and big vibes right in that order tune into another episode of intellectually petty radio brought to you by m3s3 clothing men make moves and suckers stand still and as always on the mighty 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 nerd djs radio network i am your host jobs and today is unlike any other day i've been begging this brother to come on the show for 32 years and i mean that literally and he has made me have, I had to prove myself, man. I, I had to walk across America backwards, saying my ABCs in Arabic and Chinese and Mandarin. I think that's the same thing. Anyway, you get the point, man. This is my guy, man. It's a really cool dude. Um, super, super, super smart. One of the best businessmen in the history of business. And I'm not t- I'm not saying that lightly. Let me get Mr. Tim Sumter onto the screen. How you doing, bro? I didn't know you were talking about me there for a minute, my man. <laughs> Come on, man! Don't sell your short. So sell your shelf self short. Yeah, that's all I know how to do. <laughs> Whatever it is, it worked for. I like that 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 uh, sweatshirt too, bro. Thanks, man. Uh, my brother's over there at Wash Dad sent this to me. So it's like a, I'm a Wash Dad, right? But uh, it stands for We Are Superheroes Every Day. We Are Superheroes Every Day. Pretty Yo, cool. Right? Yeah. Yeah, where do you buy that at? Um, I think you can go to their website, which is uh, Wash Dads, and you can purchase some stuff there. Yeah, but dope group of people a lot of people in the nba are starting to pick on to the pick up on their brand so i like what they stand for i love it i love it I like I it. all right where do we start man um okay what college did you go to uh so i started out at university of hartford in connecticut i was a music major there studying music business and then I transferred over to an HBCU, Delaware State University, the best in the biz, and I, I graduated from there. Okay. Um, yeah. And when was this? When did you graduate? I graduated in uh, 2000. And, uh, you know, while I was there at Dell State, I think I told you this before, but you may not remember, but while I was at Dell State, I was driving back and forth to D.C. because I was working at BET at the same time on Teen Summit. You know what? It's funny. My um, my manager's mother worked at BET. Montez Miller. Sounds familiar. Yeah, and and I I think that might have been one of the shows she worked on too. Yeah. Was it in you know, DC or was it in um New York at the time? You know what? That I'm not sure. And I know I had interviewed them maybe over a little bit over a year ago. Maybe last year it was. Um, but yeah, I I, I can't for the life of me remember if we talked about the the location okay yeah so what was you doing on team summit i was a dancer i was i was a team summit dancer (laughs) (laughs) like uh, like two years three years yeah and that was kind of that was kind of like my introduction into like the marketing world believe it or not because you know every week i'd be there meeting new people and like stars and different artists and i was taking more of a liking to their their handlers you know and it was a chance meeting between myself and most deaf um and he connected me with a guy named headquarters who was like their marketing guy and mm-hmm. he shot to become like a college rep so that was i guess that was like my first uh marketing job as a junior and senior in college so you said most deaf. Okay, so is that just a, is that a one-off, or did you guys develop a relationship over the years? Uh, well, no, never a relationship, but like 
I think he came to the show a few times, two maybe two times. Mm-hmm. So we talked and chopped it up, and and then you know that was about it. It was nothing really substantial. He was good, but he was kind enough, brother, to introduce me to yeah. somebody because he didn't have to do that, right? I just met him. That's dope, and he probably has no clue what what that introduction led to. Yeah, butterfly effect, right? Like it would be cool, like to meet him now and be like, "Yo, you don't remember this, but you did this, and this is what I'm doing now." So yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, that was like, uh, Jesus Christ, I can't remember the brother that played back Black Panther. Rest in peace. Yeah. Ah, uh, uh, that that uh, Denzel paid for to go to school. Yeah. Yeah. And he ended up, uh, you know, coming back years later, saying, "You don't remember this, but." This is the fruits of your labor. Yeah. You never know, man. And I think that's kind of what I'm on the journey now to do is just to help. Like I'm in a a position where people have entrusted me with a lot. And, uh, you know, every day I try to just exceed their expectations and grind and grind and grind just to help someone else later on. You know, to show number one, that we're capable and number two, like, you can see it. Like, well, that's that whole thing. Like, yo, if you don't see it, you can't really sometimes achieve it. Like, you have yeah. to see. You have to see somebody doing something sometimes in order for you to get that spark. Like, oh, you know what? I could do that, too. So have you found a protege? No, I have not found a protege. You know, I'm not actively looking either. I feel like sometimes that stuff just happens, right? Like, I'm starting to learn that a little bit as I get older. Like, you don't force things. You just allow things kind of to come to you. Like, you can put it out there and, and work and prepare and try to put yourself in certain situations, but don't force it. Let, let your work speak for you. Keep grinding. Try to make connections. But when you start forcing things, sometimes it just doesn't work out. Right? Everything's, in, in my thought, like God's time. All right, so you initially you went for music, music business. What was the goal initially? I always wanted to be an artist. I wanted to be either a rapper, singer, dancer. Like, I just wanted to be in the biz. It's just, um, you know, I was infatuated with entertainment from a very, very early age. Was it the fame? Not, I, I, you know, fame was not, I didn't know about fame. Like, I understood these artists were in, like, Right On Magazine, Word Up Magazine, and were on the box and on TV. And all, <laughs> you know, and I, I, go to, I go to a concert here and there to see them perform, and I see, like, the masses loving them. But I never looked at it, like, for the fame. I looked at it as, like, yo, that's cool. I like how they're expressive. I like the way the music makes me feel. It makes me want to write something dope like they just wrote or it makes me want to dance. So, you know, I like sports and stuff too, but music has always been a big part of who I am, and it still is to this day. What was the first concert you went, you went to? Who first concert had to be Michael Jackson. Jeez, you started off there, huh? Yeah. What's the point in going after that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Michael Jackson victory tour. Although, I will say that Oddly, and I was never a Hammer fan until I went to his concert. Right. And Hammer, your man knew how to put on a show. I didn't like none of his music, you know, really. You know, some of it was catchy. I wasn't a fan at all. Matter of fact, I was one of those haters. Right, right. Went to his show, completely changed my mind. Like, right. it was just, it was a, a, a phenomenal hip-hop spectacle. Yeah, that's exactly probably what it was, a spectacle. Like, just seeing the productions and stuff back in the day. And I think I was a little bit opposite than you, right? Because I was at a point where I just appreciated showmanship. Because mm-hmm. I love rap and I love dancing and I love how, like, the beats and stuff. And when I first heard Hammer's first song that he came out with, I believe it was on Yo! MTV Raps, um, I was like, yo, this dude can move. Like, he was dancing, he had the gazelles on, the gold gazelles. You know what I'm saying? He didn't have a whole bunch of dancing behind him. He was still kind of flashy. And the music at that point in time was still kind of like 
almost street. It was like a little bit of elevated street, right? Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't until like, you know, maybe the, the second project where he kind of went full blown, you know, hammer pants and sensationalized. But the first iteration of hammer. I, let's I get it started. Yeah, I, let's get it started. Yeah. Yeah. That, let's get it started. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. That, that was a. Uh, yeah. yeah, you know, like, uh, and then you actually, man, um, 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 the second joint was Hammer Don't Hurt Him. Yeah, yeah, that was like, man, was in his bag then. Yeah. You know, and Can't Touch This came out, and literally, it, 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 that's what happened. You could not touch that man. Yeah, and and I think Can't Touch This was kind of like the introduction of the commercialized Hammer a little bit, you know. It was commercialized hip hop. Commercialized hip hop, yeah. Hammer and hip hop, yeah. Things just started changing a little bit. Like, yeah, I love Kid and Play, and at the time, you know, like Kid and Play was still hip hop, but a lot of I think a lot of people looked at it like, yo, that's weak. You know what I mean? But I like that stuff. Kid and Play kind of got a pass that, that got the the hip hop pass that Hammer didn't. And they did literally the same thing. And I, you know, I never thought about that until this moment. New York in general, if you were an artist in New York, you kind of got a pass back then. Yeah. Because yeah. you know what I mean? Like you could still kind of be in that mode, but yo, all you got to do is say you're from New York and you're almost validated back in the 80s and the 90s, early 90s. Yeah, wasn't well, no almost. They, you know, they could falling all over you. Yeah. No matter what you were doing. Okay, so you go from the music business to Teen Summit to at what point do you say, you know what, I, I really dig in the business? Like just like business in general? Yeah. I don't think I really knew. Right? So like when I graduated and I left Teen Summit, BET, I was trying to figure out what was next, right? And in I think we all kind of grew up like, all right, well, not everybody, but, you know, I think some people grew up like, all right, you graduate high school, you're either going to go to work, you know, go to maybe a trade school or you go to college, right? So I went the college route. The next phase after that is finding a job, right? So mm -hmm. I had an opportunity at that point in time to either go to California because, you know, with the connections I, were, I was making through BET, um, I got presented with some offers to like continue dancing, go to an agency out there and keep trying to work within the industry, right? Or I could go into corporate America, right? So, you know, I'm young, I'm broke. I would say at the time, I wasn't willing to make risks or take risks. So I kind of took the easier route. Um, and when I took that route, made that decision, and I went into corporate America, I don't think I was fully prepared for it. Like, um, like my mentality wasn't all the way there mm -hmm. and I was miserable for like, I worked for one company for like nine years and I just stayed there because of the comfort of it. But I was miserable every day going for like at least six, you know, six a year, six of those years. Very miserable. Really? Um, yeah. What, what was it, it about the culture? Okay. So the company that I was working for had a very like strict culture right um like there was no wiggle room so you gotta understand like when i was dancing at team summit I had like i had locks right i had locks i had a lip piercing right um i had my own individual style yo you I, was a whole nother entity back then huh yeah something totally different i was true you know true to myself or whatever i felt like you know and i'm quite sure as time goes i would have become more mature right but at right. the time i was comfortable in my appearance how i was moving um and then with me signing a dotted line of you know working for a, car, uh, a corporate company that was very like by the book you know i cut my locks right they don't allow facial hair where i was uh at you had to wear <laughs> you had to wear a white shirt every day like you couldn't deviate in any color you had to wear a white shirt you could only wear like a suit that was blue black or gray so now you go i'm take i'm going from a place of culture and, and freedom, freedom 
to like now almost being institutionalized within a corporate structure, which was not conducive to me growing professionally. Let me ask you this. From from a corporate standpoint, what's the rationalization for that? I mean, I think I think back then, which was different, right? So we're talking about um, you know, maybe close to twenty years ago. You know, things were different. Corporate structure was a lot more rigid. Like everybody had to look like whoever the CEO or the president of the company was. So as mm-hmm. they move, you move. And it was like there were no apples really back then, right? That bought the culture or Google's. They were like around, but they weren't like they weren't they were what we leader who they are now, right? Yeah. That people who can show you it doesn't matter what you look like, what you dress like, what you do. You know, as long as you perform, you perform. Um, but yeah, and it was and it was different, you know. And I think um, slowly, I think that company grew out of it, like most companies are. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a lot of things that went into that too, like some things you don't think about, like for a person of color who you know they don't allow any facial hair and they have to cut their face every two days, three days, you know, if not every day, you know, a lot of people of color get razor bumps, yeah. you know. Um, so now what you're doing is you're putting them in a situation where now, you know, their self-esteem might be a little bit jacked up because now you have to come to, to work every day with bumps on their face, not feeling their best, yeah. confined into a box that they're not used to. And I'm not saying everybody was like that, but I've had enough conversations at that time to understand that a lot of you know people of color felt like a, a, a different way about like how the structure was set up and i know a lot of people could say well if you didn't like you want to fit into it you could have just quit but you know sometimes when jobs aren't as readily available for some of us you take what you can take and you try to grow with the company and do the best job you can and and i'll say that that universities do, do absolutely no they do a horrible job if if a job at all at telling you what your degree the 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 after you know you graduate part you know this is the culture you'll be going into this is what you'll have to do to to get ahead in this particular industry whatever that industry is you know it's like you you have a vision in your mind you see somebody on tv that's uh, the CEO, and in your mind, yeah, I'm gonna be the CEO. You don't realize I might have to start in the mailroom, right. right? And nobody tells you that part. No, nobody tells you that part. And, and you know what? I will say this about my great school of Delaware State University. Um, they have a they have a black male initiative there. I don't know how long it's been running, um, uh, but my guy uh, Meshack, who is like the ambassador for the college. Um, he invited me to the school last year um, to come back and speak at the business school to talk to uh, these young men of color about kind of like my journey, mm-hmm. what to expect in corporate America, um, about what I do. Um, and I think stuff like that is needed because you can kind of tell them about the pitfalls. You can kind of tell them about what's expected. Um you know, the trajectory of what they're trying to do and where they're trying to go. And I think another big thing is like, I don't mean to go on a rant here, but, um, you know, me growing up, like during the summers, it was always expressed to me, like, go out and get yourself a summer job, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was grateful enough to uh, for my dad to put me in a position every summer to make some good money, right? But it was nothing that I was doing or what I wanted to do. So... Any young person I talk to now, I stress that, hey, get yourself an internship. Like back when I was coming up, internships mean, meant that you weren't getting any money. But now yeah. things are right? You, like, you'll get paid doing something that, you know, get some exposure of the industry that you want to go into. And some great things can happen there, right? Like you can learn that maybe that's not where you're meant to be. Like maybe that's not your passion. You learn that early. Yeah. Or you can really reinforce like the learning and getting some hands-on experience of your industry throughout your college year. So when it's time for you to leave school, graduate, you have the experience. And now you have those seeds planted. Right, you got those seeds planted. You know people in the industry. You know, maybe you can command a little bit more than most people because you've already been entrenched in, you know, 
your industry for some years already. So, yeah, that's a, a big part of it, I think, as well. The internship. And they, they, they've seen your, your work ethic. Yeah, I work. You know, so like like you and like uh, a friend of mine, well, he was my best friend, like in high school, one of them. And he uh, went to school for engineering. And I remember, and this is, geez, I don't know, 25 years ago. But I remember him doing some internships like every, every year. Like I remember he did one with Saturn, did one with GM. He was getting paid for them. And he was getting paid nice for these internships. But they ended up, you know, he got job offers up to, up to Wazoo after he graduated because they saw how good he was. You know, it wasn't it wasn't even the money aspect, although it was good. It was the it, it, it was basically, you know, like an interview. Yeah. yeah. You know, so if you happen to, you know, if you're young out there and you happen to get an internship, you, you, you do realize, you know, that you are interviewing whether you know it or not. Absolutely. 100%. They're paying attention. Yeah, they, they absolutely are. They're taking notes and they're writing them down and you have a file, whether you see it or not, that's going to follow you yeah. to an extent, at least in that company. Yeah, at least in that company. Absolutely. You know, and, and in, in a lot of industries, you know, the higher up the food chain, even competitors are familiar with each other and may actually be cool. 100%. Right? You know, you, as you start getting into certain rooms, you start realizing how small industry really is. Yo. And you, you know, know, I've been doing this podcast and thing for a long time. And I'm I'm realizing how it's getting smaller. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. as as people like, and I'm realizing that people actually, you know, some people know who I am without me knowing that they know who I am. It's a great thing. It's a great thing. Hopefully. Yeah. Move accordingly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it 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 makes you a little bit more. Uh, Calculated. Yeah. 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 You know, and and it's crazy. Like, we should feel free to express ourselves and be who we are, which I think, you know, as I get older, I'm leaning into that more. But yeah, you you do have to kind of, you know, watch yourself a lot. You know? Yeah. Especially if you're in a a relationship industry. Yeah. You know, and, and entertainment is, is, absolutely a relationship industry yeah yeah and you know relationships i think are kind of built off of trust right yeah and the fact that you keep your word and um you know i think i'm pretty solid with that um you know i i try to treat everybody fairly i give people opportunities and i don't really i don't look for nothing in return right i just i want to help people I want to help people. I want to help push culture forward. I want to do cool stuff. And I want to be able to go to sleep at night with a clear conscience because I got anxiety problems. So I don't like, <laughs> I don't like, nothing, I don't like nothing bad looming over my head because I don't deal with it well. So I figure that, you know what, the best way not to have anything looming over your head is to do the right thing in every situation. Biggest mistake? My biggest mistake is probably, it's a great question. Not trusting myself early. Not trusting my dopeness. Mm. Um, Not trusting my gut and like leaving certain situations sooner. But it's it's like a a double-edged sword too, right? Because through those tough times through my career, I wouldn't be who I am now without. Like I learned discipline, I learned patience, I learned corporate, I learned, you know, relationship management. I learned a lot. I learned marketing, right? I learned social media. So all of those years of kind of like trying to figure it out in tough times and helped me to become a better person and a better like business person today i got a long way to go 
right? I don't know everything. I'm learning every day from different people, people who are way brighter, smarter, more experienced. But I think what a lot of people don't, I'm not trying to be braggadocious or full on myself, but I think what a lot of people don't have is like the dopeness factor. Like I've been around dope stuff for a long time and I know what feels right. And I think I know what kind of, what other people gravitate to. Okay. And I think to a certain point, like that's my superhero ability. Get along with people and to- quality. Yeah, get along with people and know some dope stuff when I see it. What, what drew you to managing others? Um, no, man, like, it was just something that happened. Somebody inspired me to get into management because, you know, I went to school initially for that, for music management. And, you know, I put it down for years. But when I saw, you know what it was, when I saw Fetty Wap. So Fetty Wap is from the area where I kind of like used to stomp through, right, a little bit. Mm-hmm. A lot Does of that my- do with the one eye? Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. I'm and, old, bro. I don't be knowing everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew a lot of people involved, not a lot of people, but I knew some people involved in the success of Betty. And it kind of, like, you know, I remember I said earlier, like, when you see people do it, it kind of inspires you, like, oh, I could do that too. So it kind of rekindled a flame of me wanting to get into that space. So, didn't know anything about it. I, I used to just go to a studio and sit in the back and just watch like different artists under the Fetty Wap, like the R, um, RGF, I believe it was called. Mm-hmm. Uh, Later, just record. I just sit in the back of the studio, invite myself in. They were cool enough just to let me sit down. I guess they were like, man, this guy's harmless. Just let him sit in here. I sit in there and just watch people cook. I watched people move around. Did that for like a year. And then luckily, like um, a young lady, um, I, I discovered her and I saw some talent. I just started rocking with her, trying to build her and her name, taking her to the studio, introducing her to different labels. I think that's how I started meeting a lot of people, like from Rock Nation and uh, Republic Records and like some other, and um, Def Jam, started meeting people, um, building relationships there. Um, managing her social grew her, I believe, up to about 44,000. Wait a minute, who are we talking about? Uh, it, it was this girl named Demiana, um, Esquizzi. Okay. Back in the day, um, that, that name sounds really familiar. The Esposito. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it was a great opportunity, and I learned so much. And then towards the end of that, I started thinking, like, okay, because what a lot of labels. She was very talented. But what a lot of labels started telling us was like, yo, she's dope, but like the following, you gotta get her following up. Because this is that iffy time within the industry where if you had a million followers, you were getting a deal. It didn't matter if it was fake followers or not, right? Yeah. yeah. They saw the numbers, you'd get a deal. You had the streaming. So, um, you know, one of the things I was trying to do is like connect her with brands because I felt like, all right, what's a quick way to try and get somebody exposure outside of their ecosystem? And I was like, oh, maybe collaboration. If I get her with a brand here, mm. she cross promotes on her channel and they promote her, I'm out of her ecosystem and I'm now in their ecosystem. So I can gain some followers that way. So I was trying to connect those dots. And I think that's when I really started understanding social media, when to start posting, um, you know, looking at her analytics and saying, okay, you know, people say not to post on a Sunday, but her analytics are saying, you know, her most engaging day is on a Sunday. So digging into the back end, understanding like when you post something it's more than just posting you got to stand by for maybe about an hour and respond to comments right away and you know like interact with other pages it's in inbox people songs when you drop it or as soon as a post drops sending it to a group of people who are diehard fans so they know that it was a lot that went into it so social media management is not just kind of taking the dope video or a dope picture but there's a lot that goes on in the back you got a class i'm sorry you got a class no i don't got a class <laughs> i don't got a class i don't have a class oh, but not? i know i know but you know I, I think at this point some people understand like how it really should work but the more time you put into social you know the, the better the, the, the product is the better the person is like you really have to convey like 
who that product, what that product is and who that person is to the audience. You got to do it effectively. I like social media discipline. I'm a very impulsive poster. Yeah. Believe me, I know a lot of people like that. And, and I can't help myself. I know. But you know what? Because you're a creative. That's why I think a lot of creatives need somebody to do it for them. Like a creative to me should create, take whatever they created, imagery, whatever, and send it to somebody and forget about it. Because what will happen is what a lot of creatives do is they create something, they admire it, and like, oh, I got to get it out right now. And they don't think through what the, the next steps are where somebody who's a social media strategist or manager, they think through that stuff. Like ideal posting times and what the theme is for the week or whatever the, the case may be. Like I gotta be on standby to interact with people, not bots, right? Not bots, but like real people. And how to, and, and I think, and I think you know what? And another thing is I think sometimes what people forget to do is ask people for things. Like if somebody comments and takes time to comment on your page or a post or whatever the case may be, that means they're into you. So if they're into you, sometimes you gotta ask them for something. Like, yo, like I used to do this all the time. If somebody posted something like, oh, that song is so dope, I'd be like, is it dope enough for you to share on your page to repost? And most of the time they'll be like, you know what, it is. And they'll do the solid, they'll repost them. So if somebody's mm -hmm. You and they're digging what you're doing. Don't be afraid to ask for support. You don't get what you don't ask. And, and you know what? That that's another problem of mine because I don't feel like you know. I don't want to bug people because I I don't like to be bugged. Like I don't want somebody to just randomly DM me. me I I delete it, and I get a lot of those now. I just delete yeah. them. Yeah. I don't care. I don't, you know. Uh, uh, well, I'll take that back. I don't just delete them now. I'll. Go down the rabbit hole a little bit to see how you decided to inbox me. So I'll, I'll look and see, okay, well, I interviewed so-and-so and you're friends with so-and-so. So you felt comfortable enough to inbox me, although you inboxed me your music and I'm not going to listen to your music. Right. You know, I think some people think because, well, I interviewed so-and-so that I'm some type of, I, I can't do nothing for you. Yeah, yeah. And I think you have to, you have to look at it. You have to, you know, if they're taking some time out to like interact with you, like if that person is telling you how dope you are and how they're much of fan they are, sometimes you can, you know, put them to the test a little bit and say, okay, I appreciate that. Do you, do you mind reposting this on your page? Hmm. You know, a lot of people are funny. A lot of people are funny about re like posting in their feed, right? But an IG story, sometimes those get more like traction than in feed posts. So, and it's less, uh, it goes away after 24 hours. So more people inclined just to share that one. Which is weird. Like I'll, inter I'll interview somebody and like they won't, they, they won't share it. Like why wouldn't you share you? Like, yeah. That part I don't get, you know, it's getting better. It's gotten better definitely this year. Yeah. Um, but man, I just used to just eat like why? And, and the crazy part is the ones that the interviews they'll share are are of you know the 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 podcast that don't need you to share it. Yeah. They already got twelve million followers. You sharing it unless unless you the rock, it's, <laughs> it's not, not going to do anything for them. Right. You know, you the people that you could actually help out. You like oh well you know I'm not doing anything for you. You you should be happy I came on your show. Yeah. Which is, is right to an extent. I'm appreciative to be on your show. Because you're a good brother. No, man. It took me three years to get you on the show, bro. <laughs> bro I told you, man. I, I'm not a, I'm not a, <laughs> not a huge talker, man. I'm, a, um, I'm more of a doer than a talker. And, like, growing up, I, I told you I played, like, basketball, too. And I was, like, team captain. But it wasn't because I was very vocal. It was because when we ran sprints and ladders and all that type of stuff, I was first all the time. Like, I was grinding. Like, I worked hard. If the coach asked us to do something, I'd do it. If we're running drills and he said to do it a certain way, I did it that way. I didn't deviate. Like, I got my orders and I did it. That's why 
I became like a captain, not because of my vocal, you know, my vocal leadership. It wasn't that. So I'm not a very vocal person. And, you know, I will say I, I've gotten the chance to uh, to be on the sidelines and see a lot of uh, a lot of your journey over the last few years. And I'm absolutely proud of you, bro. Like it, it has been. Thank you, man. It, it, it has been amazing, bro. Like I, I look up and I'm like, oh Jesus! At this point, I'm not surprised now. I just try not to bug you because my first inclination. I'm one of those people that now, if I, if I know you, I, I generally don't have a problem asking people that I know, hey, do so and so for me because I feel like I would I do the same thing. If somebody comes to me that that I know says, hey, can you do such and such for me? Sure, I don't, I, you know, I'm not asking you for anything in return. If I'm in a position to introduce you to so and so, that's going to benefit both of y'all. Why wouldn't I do that? I don't. I don't see how. I just don't see not doing that. Yeah. What it burns me sometimes too, though. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can't do everything for everyone, right? Like you have to be. You have to be. Use your common sense. You have to understand what the true intentions of people are. You have to trust who you're working with and who you're trying to put into a better position or give an opportunity to. Because, you know, what do you say? One bad, bad egg can spoil the bunch or whatever the case may be. Like, yeah. if you get somebody who's not perfectly aligned in like your professionalism and what you're trying to accomplish professionally, it could derail your career, Man. you know? So you have to be cognizant of who you have around you, who you're working with, because, you know, all your hard work can go away real quick with the wrong person. What's the biggest... What's the biggest key to your success? I would say... I don't want to be cliche, but I have to speak my truth, and it has to be God, because um, God has allowed me to be patient, steadfast, wiser as I've become older, um, allowing me to understand like what's important in life. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I think as a man, we are really like, I think we're defined by our careers. Not not saying that women aren't defined by their careers, but I think, I think, no. yeah. I think yeah. man, like we, we were taught as, at a young age to be like providers. Yeah. And we don't become a provider. We start feeling some sort of way like we don't have any work. We're a failure. Right. Right. So, you know, I think most men are career driven, whether it's corporate career, whether it's doing like other things in the arts or you're a janitor or, you know, you're a sanitation worker, whatever the career is, you're trying to excel in that career and provide for your family. So I think uh, my alignment with God and I'm, and I'm not saying this in a way like I'm a perfect dude, definitely not a perfect dude. Right. But I think having God in my life has helped me get out of certain situations that I've put myself into in a, as a younger iteration of me. And, you know, and then my family too, because they, they'll keep you humble. My wife and kids will keep you humble. Like you, you think you're doing cool stuff, but you're not, you're not that cool. You're not doing nothing. Yeah, go, take, go take out the garbage, Mr. Fancy <laughs> Man. Go take out the garbage. Thank you. How how long you been married? Twenty years. Twenty years. Oh, she saved your career for you a couple of times over twenty years. Please, tons. She held me down in some tough times. Tough. Yeah. That's that's a beautiful thing right there. Yeah. So that you know you, you got a lot of goals in life, but then I have another like overarching goal. And I don't know if she'll be down with the goal, but, you know, the goal is to, you know, have her stop working soon. But, you know, 
but you know, let's see. One step at a time. Be careful what you wish for, buddy. I know. Let's try that here. We tried that at home, man. And, you know, because initially that's that's what I wanted. You know, stay at home wife, and you know we were both on the same page. And then she became a stay at home wife for a few months, and I'm like, bro, you need to go go get out, get, get go do something, work at McDonald's, go. I don't care. She loves what she does, but you know, and I think that's my my goal. Who knows if she'll align with that? But I just want to, you know, I just want to keep growing, keep growing, keep growing professionally. Yeah, man. After twenty years, I don't know how that's gonna go over, bro. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll What's see. next year looking like? Personally, man, what are your goals? My goals are to just um. I'm going to do more what we're doing right now, right? So, uh, you know, my kryptonite is really like talking in public, right? So I can have a one-on-one conversation. You know, I can have a a, a one-on-two conversation. I can have a one-on-three conversation. But sometimes when it gets to be that one-on-four, one-on-five, I get a little anxious. So I want to kind of like do more of this to help me in that journey of being more expressive and kind of – talking about, you know, my achievements or my ideas and my thoughts more effectively, uh, more effectively. So, you know, I want to do more of this. Uh, of course, I want to create more deals, um, more alignments with, you know, brands and all that type of stuff. Like, I want to do some cool stuff in that regard. I want to help my teammates more. I want to, you know, them to rely on me and understand that, like, whatever they put on my lap, the job will get done effectively. Um, the people I report to, I want to make sure that uh, they truly understand my capabilities, and uh, I'm willing to take next steps. And you know, in a personal, professional, you know, I want to make more strategic relationships. I want to make more relationships that hopefully become something else later on in life. Because okay. you know what I do, you know, it's, I think it's creative, but sometimes I might be just a little bit injured. Um, but you know, I do other things outside to keep my creative juices flowing. And there's a lot of things that, you know, a lot of cool people I meet with doing that. Um, and you never know later on in life, it might turn into something. So I'm just going to keep doing that. Well, you know, you know, little old me, whenever y'all want to, you know, do some branding, I'm not the worst. Sometimes I can be a bit potty mouth, but I'm not over the edge with it. Um, You're doing good. You're doing good today. I'm proud of you. (laughs) <laughs> I was waiting. I'm like, some one of them is gonna pop off right now. <laughs> you know, you know what though? Um, I, I've been dealing with the public my whole career, so I'm able to, you know, like I, I know which room is what room. Okay. Put it that way, you know. So I don't, you know, I don't need to curse a lot. Okay, maybe a little bit sometimes, but um, I, I, I know how to get my point across with whoever I'm talking to. Yeah. You know, in, in, in the best delivery for that individual. Yeah. You know, so you know, I've, I've I've dealt with some, some people over the years and, you know, I could I could go to the projects and holler at you and I can go to the penthouse and holler at you. Sure. You know, um, I really... Trying to think how to how to delicately uh, <sighs> just say it, just say it. whatever you want to say, just say it. Well, no, I, I, I don't want to just 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 say it. Um, <laughs> you've met a lot of, of of important people over the years. How do you deal with the let's say the nuances of those important people? without losing yourself. All right. So I would say that, um, first of all, once you're around people of, you know, importance, right. Mm -hmm. You start to realize that they're just like me and you, you know, They, they just have more people around them for the most part. But most of them are actually really cool, really down to earth. They want to be treated almost like, you know, anybody else. 
it just so happens they're in the public eye that they're doing high profile things but you strip it down and they're just like me and you at least most of the you know the celebrities or executives and, and the people that i've met they're pretty cool um you know i don't think i've really i've had one bad instance with a celebrity back in the day um but i would say 99 percent of the time people that you're around are pretty cool and i've also learned that it's not the artist that really kind of gets a little bit jerky like sometimes not all the time but sometimes it's like the people in their corner like it could okay. be it could be an attorney or you know somebody on their team or whatever like that but you know even there like most of the attorneys and stuff that i've talked to and they've been pretty cool so i haven't had really any bad instances but i think the more you keep it real with them and you respect like the boundaries and respect what they do and they respect what you do usually pretty cool yeah I, I used to get pretty nervous in the beginning yeah I, I still do a little bit big les i was very nervous big les big les like I, I was so nervous i forgot to start the show no we talk for like we start we talk for like 15 minutes and I, i'm like oh and my manager's like dude what, what are you doing i'm like uh oh my bad <laughs> <laughs> I got fanned out. <laughs> Big, Les. Big Les is a goat. Oh my god, man! Who who is the one person that you've yet to work with that you like, man? I work with that person, and they the the that's it. I I, I am. Bro. Do I even have to say who it is? Who Jordan? Beyonce? Close. Oh, Jigger? Yeah. That's the one. That's yeah, the... I, I take the money. <laughs> he, even he said you should take the money. He was like, what am I going to tell you? I done told you everything in my song, in my raps. I done told you everything. I gave you all the good. Yeah, it makes no sense unless you are already wealthy. If you're already wealthy, what he, he says, you may be able to use and it may be beneficial. But if you broke, what's he gonna tell you? Oh, go buy this stock. You got twelve dollars, bro. Yeah, yeah. You know, like yeah. you, you take the money. It makes no sense. Jay's the one. Like I just like I respect uh, almost everything that he's done, like in the industry and in business, and how he moves and how he's comfortable in his own skin. How he goes into rooms and he's saying Jay like. Yeah, I know he's cutthroat when he has to be, but that's business, right? But yeah, Jay is it for me. He's like the guy. Oh, I had a couple actually. What about what about you? I had a couple. Like Tony Hawk would be Tony Hawk skater. Yeah. Okay. Love that. It's one of my favorite games of all time, and I've always I've loved skating since I was in in, in middle school. Um, Definitely Denzel. Yeah, you see that? Because I, I, I don't feel like I will have to, like, code switch or anything. Um, he seems like just a really real down-to-earth dude. Yeah. Yeah, I can uh, see that. Definitely one of the billion, one of the super billionaires. Probably like, Elon Musk. Just because I would really kind of go at him, I got some questions, and you know, I think he he's arrogant enough to answer them honestly. It's a lot going on there. It's a lot going on there. <laughs> um, dang, I cannot remember the brother's name. Oh, and I can picture his face. It's an actor. Um, Misty Copeland would be one. That would be a nice one. Yeah. She has a story to tell. All the things that she's seen in that, uh, you know, in dance and what she had to deal with. I mean, I don't know the Misty Copeland whole story, but just seeing the little snippets about kind of like, you know, like certain things that she had to do, like we're painting like her, 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 her shoes. shoes. Yeah. Right? Because they come in like, you know, the European paint, but they don't come in any like color. Like yeah. to me, even now, that seems crazy to me. You know, I like mean, well, 
Not, I mean, ballet, but you got to think about it. Ballet is probably still 90-something percent European. Yeah. So there's no no need. No, but you just think about all the little, like the brown boys and girls and all that type of stuff that still dance, but not on a professional level. You know what I mean? Like my daughter, she's, you know, she's into dance. And, you know, there has to be some sort of manufacturer or thought to have a manufacturer out here that would think to create these shoes for people of color. I think she's got her own brand now. Okay. I think so. I think just recently. Um, but, man, I have been begging her and her manager. Like, I wanted to interview her manager, too. But I've been begging them both for a good year now. It'll happen. Yeah. It'll happen. Oh, it, it'll definitely happen. I mean, but it's just like a, like I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm attracted to pain. Yeah, I just yeah. you know it, it just like I, I've been in the medical profession for so long. You see a lot of pain, and so you you understand how to deal with that and how to communicate with that pain effectively. Um, and I'm I'm just really good at those type of interviews. And I think you like a challenge, right? I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Challenges are good. And I, and. and on the one hand, I you know I hate interviewing people that have been interviewed a gazillion times, but on the other hand, I kind of like it because I want to ask the questions that 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 like I literally will go back and watch a gazillion of their interviews and pick holes in the interviews, Oof. you know, and not publicly, but just mentally, you know, and I write little notes. Okay, I would have asked this question. Right. That's a follow-up question, or can you expound on what you just said here? Okay, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Or like, I'll they'll, they'll give that person a tidbit that's not necessarily known, and when I bring it up, they're like, "Oh, well, wow, how'd you know that?" Well, you had an interview in '86. I saw it, and unfortunately, they don't expect that from from definitely not from podcasters because most of us is talking about who you screwing and what where we gonna take you out on a date. And that's pretty much it. And that's cool if that works for you, but I can't do that like every week. Yeah, I feel you. You know, so I try to have some depth to some conversations sometimes. Nah, man, you do a great job. You're so easy to talk to, man. I'm old and fat, bro. I got nothing else to do. (laughs) (laughs) Aren't we all? You're not now. You're going to be one of the two or both later on. You know what? Um, I, it, The alternative is much worse. Like young and dead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I still remember people that passed away in high school. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I never forgot a sister named Ebony. Right before we, uh, our prom passed away they, they buried her in her prime she got murdered yeah some dude shot her at a club oh. a dude jealousy stuff probably man I, I, I'm not even you know like it was a lot of stories about it or whatnot. but it's the biggest funeral I've ever, I've ever been to and that was 1989 death is never yeah. easy it's not easy, but it's necessary to not forget. Yeah. You know. I just um, I just lost um one of my business uh music business partners a few weeks ago. So yeah, you probably remember him too, Big K. He me, um it was me, Troy Tyler. Yeah. Yeah, so uh Big K was our connected thread with Def Jam and with um, Neo's label compound. So he passed away about three weeks ago. Yo, how's Troy doing too? Troy's doing well, man. You know, he's grinding. You know, um, yeah, he's, he's he never gives up the dream, right? And he's talented. He's a great writer, great singer, great performer. And you know, I think his um, you know, after the whole uh, Rick Ross Tiny Desk thing, you know, I think he made a name for himself. Wait a minute, what happened with the Rick Ross Tiny Desk? So Troy was the um, Rick Ross's backup singer on Tiny Desk. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. That's pretty dope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, recently he did like, um, you know, Sierra did a challenge for uh, This Is How We Roll. Mm-hmm. And he did like a remix for it. And she, you know, she little, did a little shout on his page and all that type of stuff. So like, he gets recognized by certain people. Like, I think it's all a matter of timing with him. But he's very talented, great songwriter, great personality, you know, handsome guy. So he's going to get on. It's just all about timing with him. That's all. I mean, well, you know what? He has got the right person driving the ship. Well, it's, listen, I'm a supporter. His main guy is D, DJ Zier. Big shout out to him. Um, great thing. Let me just, I don't want to get off topic, but you know, D is like Troy's right hand man. Okay. He was instrumental in me having a thought change in life because we were talking about like how I was approaching music and management and all that type of stuff and what I was doing for different people and connecting the dots. And um, during COVID, I was sitting at home, miserable, right? Doing something, you know, working for the company and like doing something that I didn't, wasn't, I think, put on this earth to do. It was just mm-hmm. doing it. And we had a deep conversation and he was like, hey man, I think you're looking at this all wrong. He's like, what you do and what you've been doing with marketing. And I'm like, I had a thought change. You ever seen that, that movie, um, about McDonald's? No. You talking about the... And no. Was, so there were two brothers that owned McDonald's, and then there was a third guy who was like a salesman in a different industry. Ray Kroc. Yeah, right. And he um, and he kind of like infiltrated them a little bit, and he kind of took McDonald's from up underneath them. Yeah. But he had uh, the thought to be like, you guys aren't in the restaurant business. You're looking at this all wrong. You're in the real estate business. And that thought change and that change in direction kind of catapulted McDonald's to who they are now. It changed their whole model, right? So that was like what we call like a paradigm shift that mm-hmm. D provided me. So immediately what I did was, you know, I revamped my restaurant. I created a portfolio of all the stuff that I've done over like the last four years at that time of all the cool stuff that I did with different brands, stuff that I've shot, things that I've been involved with, with red carpets, whatever the case may be. And I just started having lunch and setting up virtual meetings with people um, on on the marketing team and stuff. And, you know, it took a, a while, it took like probably about, you know, seven or eight different interviews to get in, but I, got into a position where I felt like, wow, I could really thrive here. And as soon as I got into it, I felt like a weight lifted off because I felt like I was home. Like I was doing what I was put here to do. And I would tell you, man, these last like two and a half years, man, have been so rewarding. The, the most rewarding time professionally that I've had in a, ever, ever. And hmm. I, a lot of that to uh, DJ's ear. You look comfortable, bro, bro. What is that? You look comfortable. I feel great. Like, I'm tired because I work a lot, (laughs) right? I I do a lot, and I got a lot of different moving parts every day. It just comes with kind of like the role that I'm in. But I feel so rewarded, man. Like, the, the, the stuff I do, like, matters. Like, I love helping my teammates. I love you know, doing things for my bosses. I love working with cool people. I love connecting dots. I'm still able to do that within these walls. Um, and I will say I have the best job in the world. In the world. I know I, well, damn, I didn't realize it's eight o'clock already. Um, I'm going to leave you with this one. Yo, I cannot remember this white guy's name, old white guy, and he does, he's, does interviews. And it's pretty much him on the stage with whoever he's interviewing, and that's it. And they're in front, front of an audience. And the guy is, just does phenomenal interviews. Never remember his name, and he never makes it about him. He also always makes it about, you know, like like some interviews, like Barbara Walters was, was the star of the interviews for most interviews she had, for good or bad. And I'm not knocking her, 
But I don't think the, the, the interviewer should ever be bigger than who they're interviewing. And I don't care if you're interviewing the garbage person. You know, they you they should be front and center. Anyway, I th- that's my goal for me. So when you guys are ready, call me up. I see the vision. I see, I see how it would work. Yeah. Anyway, well, let's try and figure something out. Always, bro. Um, if people want to get in touch with you, how do they go about doing that? Oh man. So you see my name right there, right? BRL Gold. I think we're in a world of social media, and that's kind of my expertise. So um, you can hit me up on Instagram. Um, it's BRL underscore Gold. So that's me. What's so that B- mean? <laughs> uh, BRL. Uh, it's named after one of my favorite, one of my favorite albums from Tribe Called Quest, Beach Rhymes in Life. And Where's the gold? Gold is about like gold to me is like it's valuable, right? So gold is a valuable material. It's only really valuable because it's hard to destroy. Gold is one of the most malleable substances on the planet. You can melt it, it can return back to its a different shape. You can bang it and break it, you can put it back together. Right? So it's very hard to break, but you can shape it into different things. And I think in life, that's kind of what I've been. I've been gold. You know, I've been able to retain my value, grow in value, because I haven't been broken, haven't been destroyed. I've only been able to get put back together and become new versions of myself with greater than that. You're on gold. That's a hell of a clip right there, too. I'm just saying, you'll see that. And it's the truth. I'm surprised. You you seem like more of a, a... People's instincts and what is it? People's instincts and travel. You, you know what? It's because there were certain elements of beach rhymes in life that it brings me back to. There was a time where you know I had a little bit more independence. That you know I had my Jeep and I was able to play different music and I don't know. There's certain things about that album resonated with me. It was a little bit more of a commercial album. Like it wasn't you know you, that's when you had Consequence came on and all that type of stuff. But um, yeah, that album resonates with me. And then me and my boy um, from Baltimore, Rich Israel, we had our own uh, radio show at Delaware State, and it was called Beach Lines of Life. So it was um, it was a moment in time where we got to share our music, our love for music, our love for being goofy every Thursday, and just have a great time and not have to worry about classes and just connect on another level as two brothers and playing great hip-hop music. So uh, that's another part of it that really resonated. It brings me back to a good place. So, yeah, Beach Rhymes on. That's dope, man. Uh, yo, man, this has been an honor, man. And it's definitely worth the wait, man. I truly, 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 you already know, bro. You know, uh-huh. like, you're my guy, man. I don't know how many years it's been we, uh, we've been knowing each other, but yeah. definitely, my- yeah. You're all right with me, bro. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> I hope during this, I probably didn't do a good job inspiring anyone, but hopefully somebody got some inspiration and, you know, just go for it. Whatever it is in life you're trying to be, just go for it, man. You don't want to have any regrets. Trust me. They'll, 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 they'll see the IG and they'll get it a little bit better. Um, and shout out to the people watching. <laughs> 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 anyway, man. <laughs> you have a good one, bro. And All hey, right. if you need me, I'll, 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 you know how to get in touch with me, bro. Hit me yeah, up. I appreciate you, bro. No doubt, man. You have a good one, man. Yeah, you too. Yo, uh, just want to say thanks again, man. Tim, definitely an honor, man. That's that's that, that's my guy, man. Just a genuine person, man. Truly, truly, truly appreciate everything he does. Um, and not 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 like he's not a glory hog. I'll tell you that. Um, but if you need something, you know, if you can, you will. Anyway, uh, truly appreciate y'all, man. It's been another episode of Intellect Petty Radio, and this is Jobs. Let's see who we got next week. I know we got uh, Courtney Bell coming on next week. 
And if you are not familiar with who Courtney Bell is, you need to do your soul, your ears, and everything else in hip-hop a favor. And please Google this brother and listen to some of his music. And what I say do is phenomenal. I, I've been listening to him for the last few weeks every day down there. And dude is phenomenal. Um, shout out to Dre Roll and Blitz from BK. This brother has... I'm, t I'm telling you, he is a modern-day superhero. I can't even go over all the accolades. We'll talk about it next week, and you'll absolutely understand. On that note, I'm out. Y'all have a good one. Peace.